Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 30. Here's Pastor Ryan. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to 2 Chronicles chapter 30. That's 2 Chronicles chapter 30. We'll be beginning in verse 13. Give me an amen once you are there. And so, Father, we thank you this evening again for your mercy, your love, and your grace that's new every day and every evening. Lord, it still stands. Lord, you are the Holy One of Israel, the maker of heaven and earth. There's no God but you. And we have come into your house in the mighty name of your son, Jesus. And we just thank you that we can come here and learn of you, Lord. May you bless your word as we study it. Lord, we can learn nothing without the power of your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, God, we pray, strengthen us, give us understanding, lead us into your truth. And Father, give us humble hearts, for you say that you teach the humble your way. And so bless this time, may it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we say, Amen. All right, so in 2 Chronicles chapter 30, as you know, King Hezekiah is on the throne, and he is a great king. He is a a man after God's own heart, and he has just reestablished the worship Uh, there in Jerusalem for the first time in decades. Decades because, as you know, his father, King Ahaz, was a very wicked man. Uh, He he led the kingdom of Judah into idolatry, so much so that he aborted his own son in the fires of Baal. He was a wicked king and had really just destroyed the temple there. And uh, so King Hezekiah, at a, the young age of 25, had a heart for God. And so he immediately began to make repairs on the temple. He called the priests and the Levites, got them back in order, got them back in service. And, uh, and so things are looking amazing for the southern kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom of Judah, not so much. They had turned away from God long ago to worship pagan gods. And thus, as judgment, God allowed the Assyrian Empire to come in and to take them captive as slaves back to Assyria. So the northern kingdom basically is no more. King Hezekiah in the south, he's just a great example of a man of God. And he's wanting to uh, keep the Passover uh, which they had not kept in many, many years, like I said. And so what he did was he sent runners throughout all of his kingdom, the southern kingdom. And they, and he also sent them into the northern, uh, areas as well, where the northern tribes are, so that the remnant, those who weren't taken into captivity, into slavery, those who were hiding out in those northern tribe areas, can have a chance to return to the Lord. And that's what the runners 
went. They went with the message from the king to return to the Lord. They, and, and this is what the message said. It said, children of Israel, return to the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Then he will return to the remnant of you. And he will care for your brethren that have been taken captive. And so it says here, but, but they laughed at them. They laughed at the runners, the messengers, and they mocked them. Nevertheless, some from Asher, Manasseh, and Zebulun humbled themselves and came to Jerusalem. And so some laughed, but some accepted the invitation to return to the Lord. And what a beautiful sight that must have been to see these uh, Israelites from the northern tribes, you know, haven't had that kind of sweet fellowship, haven't been near Jerusalem or the house of the Lord to see them come down with their families must have been a sight to see, must have been a, a glorious thing. And the thing is with the Lord, when we dedicate our lives to Jesus and when we decide to follow his commands, man, he begins to move pieces uh, for us in our benefit, for our benefit in our lives, all things truly begin to work for good, uh, for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. You can count on that. Just think of your lives for those of you who have walked with the Lord for some time now. Hasn't the Lord just brought things together in your life? We have good times, we have bad times, we have trials, but yet the Lord has always found a way to make sure that things come our way that we need. And the king desires to see his brethren come back to the Lord. And my goodness, some laughed. As always, some mockers will always be. Jesus said, if they hated me, they will hate you. But others, those who wanted to be back with God, they humbled themselves and came. And so we read in verse 12, also, the hand of God was on Judah to give them singleness of heart to obey the command of the king and the leaders at the word of the Lord. And so all of these folks have come into Jerusalem. It is, it is crowded. It is, I mean, the pilgrims are there. It has been decades. So it's an exciting time, but God did something miraculous. To all of them, he gave them a singleness of heart. He gave them a unity. And that singleness of heart speaks of the Spirit and how it's the Holy Spirit only that can give God's church this divine unity. It's a beautiful thing. They were all making efforts to get to Jerusalem. And God's hand was upon them and he gave them singleness of heart. He gave them unity. Some people think that Unity just happens in the church, that just because we all love the Lord, that there is going to be automatic uh, unity between us and, and friendships and, and, and closeness, and we're all going to be just of one mind. But that couldn't be further from the truth. It's not so. You see, Jesus, before he went to the cross, he gave the command to the disciples that they were to love one another as he had loved them. No matter what different personalities of all the disciples, whether it was the 12 or the 70 or the crowds, Jesus dealt with people so much on a one-on-one -on -one basis, and they all probably had very different personalities, but yet they had one thing in common. He touched them. And so then he, he says to all of us, and we all have different personalities in this room, now you 
love one another and, and, and bear with one another, touch one another spiritually and love, get to know one another. I know person, he knows personalities are different. He knows it's not always the easiest thing for us to interact with each other. We come from different backgrounds. We have different personalities, but yet God says, love each other as I have loved you. And when he sees the effort, then God blesses with divine unity, straight up unity, straight up love, singleness of heart. And like I said, I, I believe the Lord just saw all the effort that, that all the people were doing. And thus, I believe as a church, we need to make the effort to love one another. The Bible says, he who has friends must himself be friendly. If you think God called me to be a senior pastor because he thought I had the perfect personality that just loves to engage uh, strangers and people I know and, and just various people, that's not why he chose me. He chose me because of his grace. He has chosen the foolish things. I, I was a punk rocker. I was in a gang for nine years. I was antisocial. I just trusted my own homeboys for many, many years. I grew up in a, in a, in a messed up home. And so normalcy was hard for me. It's always been hard for me. I, I come from such violence as a young man to then be saved and cleansed by the blood of Jesus and and then and then the, for him to give uh, me his holy spirit and and then he says now now play nice <laughs> and i say lord I, i'm i'm afraid they're not going to want to be near me and the lord taught me so many lessons in church of his love and how sweet it is for brethren to dwell together in unity, to get to know one another. And that's why the Lord sent me to Costa Mesa, because it's the farthest from Almani. I mean, it is the, you know, at the time I just got, it's a conservative capital of, the, of uh, California, you know. And I come from a total, you know, little neighborhood that's all Democrat, liberal, you know, back in the day. You know what it's like. And then I go over there and the Lord's showing me what his truth is and what it means. And, and God used the church there to change my heart. The word of God changed me. And all the people there that I thought were so different from me, they were my brothers and sisters in Christ. And it was cool. It was unique. You know, I'd have coffee with a surfer, an accountant, a businessman, and an ex-gangster all hanging out together. Loving Jesus, telling them about how my life was, and them telling me about their lives. And you just, and God would bless our time with, with, with just divine unity of the Spirit. And I've been seeing it ever, every, ever, ever since. I've been seeing it. On this trip to Mexico, you know, it's a step of faith to go there, especially when the media's, you know, fussing about this hurricane that destroyed. California. You know, it's it's coming and all of that. So it was sweet for us to be able to just put the noise behind us and go down to Mexico by faith and minister to poor people together in the name of Jesus. So many people have have opened up you know, it, it, when they take step of faith, you know, like mission trips or, or going to the men's study or the women's study or serving, just, just when you take that step of faith, God blesses with unity. 
And you'll make friends with people you normally, back in your BC days before Christ, you would never hang out with some of these folks. But yet when God blesses the church with unity, because we're making an effort to come together because he says so, not because it's comfortable, but because he says so. And then he blesses that. Man, like some of the most grumpiest guys I've met ended up being the most the most sweetest, and I mean the most sweetest men I've ever met, you know? And, and some of the driest personalities have been some of the most funniest brothers or sisters that I met, and you just would never know unless you get to know them. But it takes effort. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 4, Paul would say, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. And so, the Apostle Paul beseeches us, he begs us in the Lord that we would, you know, walk in lowliness and gentleness, that we would walk in long-suffering with one another. That means we're patient with one another, but beyond patient, it's like, it's it's supernatural patience. That's what long-suffering is. We don't throw each other out with the garbage, you know what I mean? Just because, you know, one offense or two offense, you know, we. how many times should we forgive our brother, Peter asked the Lord? Seven times, he said seven times? He said seven times 70. 77, is that it? Wednesday night. Right? So we long-suffer with each other. Right? Too many in the world, man, that, you know, what, what, what's a trip is when the world has more long suffering with each other than the church does. And that, man, sometimes we can learn a thing or two from their patience. But within the church, oftentimes people are just like, oh, I don't like that. I, I'm, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. Yeah, it's like, that's not what Christ meant. We're to love each other and, and, and uh, be long-suffering. It says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. The word endeavor means to make an effort. Endeavoring means to make an effort. It, it actually ma- means to exert exertion of physical strength or the intellectual powers towards the attainment of an object. Like with all of your faculties, with all of the strength that God gives you, Try to keep the unity amongst the saints. Why? Because God blesses us when we make those efforts. Like in our story here, he gave them all singleness of heart to honor the commandments of the Lord and to just just be one people. That was of the Spirit. God sees the effort and he blesses. In Psalm 133 Verses 1 through 3, it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. When we make that effort, you can 
be assured that God has commanded a blessing upon our fellowship because we hang in there with each other. We make the effort to drive, to go to each other's homes, visit, come to church, go to the men's things. This is why the, the, um, you know, churches have these events, men's and women's studies, so that the men and women of the church can get to know each other. And I'm telling you, things like this matter to Jesus. You know, there may be things in your life and you're wondering, why God, why hasn't this thing come true? Why why am I struggling this or that? Or that? Maybe it's because you're isolated and he knows you are. And, and you have this idea of like, I love God, but his people, I don't know. I'm just shy. You know, too many people worship human weakness. Yeah, I'm shy too. So what do I do? He's called me to preach. I love him. I'll come up here for him. I love him. Though I'm not, I'm not shy, but there, you know, sometimes it can be a lot with a lot of people as we're growing as a church. It's like, you know, you talk to 20 people and then it's just like, the poor 21st one, they're just like, they, they must think that I, I'm very low energy or shy. I, I've, I'm just learning how to talk to more people as the Lord would give me strength to do. But all of us here, when we come, we're all learning and we pray. We ask God, give us strength by your spirit to love. Give us strength to be quick to listen, slow to speak. Help us to have a love, a sincere love for one another. And, and you'll be surprised. That might be the missing ingredient uh, the, uh, in, in, in the blessings in your life. I've met people, uh, you know, who have isolated themselves. And they think that, like, God won't chasten that, that, that everyone else is called to fellowship with each other except for the exemptions. You better have leprosy or something. In Proverbs 18, verse 1, it says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. How many people have said, Man, you know what? I, I didn't click up with people. I, I couldn't. I went to the church and I just, I didn't fit, feel like I, I fit in. You, you would, you know, the right thing to ask him is, Have, did you endeavor? Did you give all of your effort, all of your mind, all of your intellect, all, did you open your schedule and say, I will find a place? I don't think so. And that's what the Lord says. Endeavor to keep the unity. Because it ain't just going to happen. We got to make it happen. Amen? And I have been so blessed over the years to meet such wonderful brothers and sisters. Wonderful. I have. They have enriched my life. And you know this. You can attest to it yourselves. How many brothers and sisters have enriched your life? Life As iron sharpens iron, so does the man sharpen the countenance of his friend. It is beautiful. And you know what? It, it, it's such a blessing, this unity, that Satan knows how important it is for our strength. And so he tries to keep us away from each other, not hanging out, being distant, isolated. Why? Because Satan knows that if we're united, oh, oh, watch out. We can flip this world upside down. We might flip this state. Who knows? You know what I mean? So, unity. And the hand of God was on Judah to give them singleness of heart to obey the command of the king and the leaders at the word of the Lord. Now many people, a very great assembly, gathered at Jerusalem to keep the feast of unleavened bread in the 
second month. They arose and, and took away the altars that were in Jerusalem. And they took away the incense altars and cast them into the brook. And so that Feast of Unleavened Bread or the Feast of Passover, they, they both are considered like one feast here. Uh, uh, again, so many people have gathered in Jerusalem. They're all together. And as they were keeping the Feast of Unleavened Bread, it's beautiful that they were moved to get up and start getting rid of all the idols there in Jerusalem. They were moved by, by their unity, by their oneness of heart. They were moved to get rid of all the altars of incense. And in, uh, in Jeremiah's book, it talks about how many I, that idols were like on every street in Jerusalem. I mean, it was inundated with, with, with altars and pagan stuff. If the people with oneness of heart were moved to get rid of those idols, those idols kept Judah away from the Lord. The idols destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel and they were taken into slavery. The devil wants us as Christians to put other things above God in importance. And that really is what an idol is. An idol is when we replace God's importance, preeminence, priority, master passion in our life with anything else. That other thing becomes an idol. So we must beware. John the Beloved wrote in his first epistle, uh, chapter 5, verse 21, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. What is it that we are most excited about daily? What is it that we're most passionate about daily? What is on the forefront of our heart and our minds daily? It must be the Lord. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these other things shall be added to you. Satan wants to distract you and I with making everything else more important than the most important thing, which is our relationship with God. He is the source of our joy. He is the source of our peace. He is our everything. Everything that your soul desires is found in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing in this world can satisfy us. In fact, if Satan gave you the whole world as your possession, if you had the whole world as your possession, you would be empty still. It's only Christ. So we can't put anything in front of us that takes his spot, his preeminence. And that means God should be able as our king, as our master, as our Lord, and we as his slaves, he should have the right to be able to say, I want you to go left today. And we are so in tune with him that we go left. I want you to go right today. We're so in tune with him that we do what he says, we go right. When he says jump, we say what? Just tight with the Lord. And then everything comes in order. Everything goes into its place but we have there's so many little idols so many little idols be careful satan wants to distract us he wants to keep us busy you know how many christians are are busy too busy with their careers with their jobs to do anything for the lord there's an acronym for busy it, it, it's being under satan's yoke busy 
busy. God's not going to give you something that's going to hurt you. Oh, this job is from the Lord. I could never go to church because of it. It's from the Lord. No, 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 no. Remember, when Satan tempted Jesus, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, these I will give you if you worship me. Satan has the power to give jobs as well. So be careful. Does this blessing bring me closer to God or further? Or maybe the Lord may want us to speak to our boss and say, you know, I'm a Christian and I cannot work on Sundays. I will be at church. Not knowing that our boss was at their wits end spiritually. They were, you know, in desperate need of a savior in their life, not knowing what they were going through. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We don't.